welcome again to Lead Wisco. My name is Troy Murphy, and I'm with, again, my good friend, Ryan Kibbe. Hey, Ryan, how you doing? It's a good day Good to be in your neighborhood. Yeah. Yes. Lead Wisco, we are a podcast and a cinema cast, as I've heard the phrase, uh, that really focuses on people's stories and how leadership and faith intersect. And I'm really excited about our, our guest today. Uh, it's the first woman guest we've had, and I feel a little bit of shame and guilt that that... First have, of many, many. Uh, yes, that's what I would like to say, yes, for sure. in Jesus' name. Um, yeah. But the first I actually was made aware of uh, this uh, amazing leader was she got to speak uh, at a Global Leadership Summit kind of gathering. Awesome. And... Uh, I just said, wow, I need a Jerry. That's what I said. That's her first name. I just said, I need a Jerry. I have to find one. And uh, really, because I was like. You need like, to clarify that. I, n- not like Mary or <laughs> uh, replacing my wife or anything, but more of like in what we're doing with leadership and the area. Yeah. I just loved her passion, her energy. And so um, I'm excited uh, about talking with her. Yeah, We learn every time, don't we? I mean, yeah. it's amazing. Yeah. So uh, Jerry is, she's got a long list of things, and typically I don't do a long list of bios. Um, uh, She is very well-versed in nonprofit organizations, budgeting, advertising, hospitality industry, event management. Uh, I I think she's got a Bachelor of Science uh, in, in political science and government from Indiana University, Purdue University, Fort Wayne. So she... She's educated, she's got experience, uh, but more importantly, what we're passionate about, she's got a story. So, yeah. hey, welcome, Jerry. Welcome. Hey, thank you. I am honored to be the first female guest. Yeah. So you got a lot, that's a lot of weight on your shoulders. You got a little represent. bit of pressure, a little <laughs> bit of pressure. <laughs> so Jer- it's Jerry Purdy, and I want to know, give the, give the listeners and watchers a little bit about you, uh, married, kids. Uh, what you do, what you've done, kind of give them some texture about who you are. Yeah. So I am married to my high school sweetheart. We will be married 17 Mm. years this, this July. Um, We are from a very small town. We have four beautiful daughters uh, ranging from six to 12. They are um, the highlight of our life and just a precious gift from God. Um, I get to in my professional career, I um, consult with the Global Leadership Network, and I am the executive director of GLS and Beyond in Northeast Indiana. Okay, so already a connection. And when I read her bio, mm-hmm. I was like, I don't meet many people with four daughters. I have four daughters. And uh, that that's that. So we could share and swap a lot of great stories about having a... For, for those of us that have three daughters and one boy, we can learn too. That know? changes yeah. everything. Yeah. I mean, two that dudes in the house changes everything. Yeah. Yeah. It could be a podcast in itself. You know, four daughters. There you go. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, yes. Jerry, you have a story, I'm sure. And I know Ryan and I are excited to hear. I first want to, though, before we go to story, if you don't mind, Ryan, I think to talk about tell us what's important to you in leadership. I think let's, I want to hear that first. And then I want to go backwards and figure yeah, out. Yeah. Let's do it. How did she develop those things? So, Jerry, tell us. What's important to you as a leader of a nonprofit, a leader of, you've been in the secular um, space also, what's important about leadership to you? What's important to me is authenticity. Um, And I think authenticity breeds trust. Um, I 
if you show up every day, who God created you to be and are um, an open book, as we were just saying, Troy, we're open books. Um, it gives the, pe gives the people that you work with, whether they are your employees, whether your vendors, your customers, it gives them that trust that they know who's going to show up every yeah. single day. There, there's consistency. Mm. So those two are really important to me. And, you know, I try to model it as best as I can um, and have people hold me accountable. But I think that those are important, not just in nonprofit and for profit, but I think those two are really important in your family as well. Um, and if we can model that for our kids, man, they get to go out and be those leaders that will change the world as well. So that came from somewhere. So now draw us back. Uh, what's Jerry's story? So obviously you have one in a family. I, I'm assuming it's, it's from where you are at now, but maybe not. So tell us a little bit about how you grew up and what's really shaped how you formed your leadership, I would say, values and priorities. Yeah, well, I mean, grew up in a really, really small town. Um, Manchester College, now Manchester University, is in North Manchester, Indiana. When college was in session, we had about 5,000 residents. When college was not in session, we had about 2,000, 2,500. So very small community. Um, and both my husband and I grew up in that community. Um, you know, I grew up in, in, a, in a challenging home life um, in my younger years. It was, um, it was hard um, and it was a lot of character building and a lot of seeing um, my community come alongside me and other influential adults that really poured into my life and I'm so thankful for them. Um, you know, my oldest brother is 10 years older than me. My middle brother was seven years older than me. And so I really was the baby of the family, the only girl. And so I grew up in a German Irish uh, family wow. that was pull yourself up by your bootstraps right? <laughs> and get it done. And, you know, while my childhood wasn't what I want for my kids, um, I'm so thankful for my parents because they did the best that they could. And I have a great relationship with my parents now. Mm. Um, it just, it wasn't always great growing up, but I'm thankful for the redemptive um, qualities of my faith that I can now um, have that relationship with my parents, that I can extend grace, that I can extend forgiveness. Um, and I hope that my kids do the same for me, for my husband and I, because we're not going to do it perfect either, right? But that's a part of our story. So um, grew up in that small town. Um, my husband and I started dating when I was 15 and he oh was 17. So we've been together 21 years. You can do the math. You'll know how old I am if you do so that wait, math. So are you going to let your daughters date at 15? Uh, we talk about that because we're going to have a 13-year-old <laughs> in September and it is frightening. It is yeah. frightening. Yeah, probably no not, right? Like yeah. probably well, let's wait till 16. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Don't so, do as I do, know, do as I say. That's it. Right? Exactly. Uh, use the excuse. It was a different era. It was a, it was yeah. a different era. We didn't have social media. That's all I'm going to yeah. say. I'm yeah. Gonna, yeah. <laughs> you find every social. excuse you can and you use it, <laughs> leverage it against them. That's awesome. I like that. We're going to, yeah. we're going to have to chat friends uh, offline about <laughs> parenting. Um, but yeah, I grew up in that small town and my husband's family was the opposite. His parents were, you know, the coaches and the Sunday school teachers and they launched YFC in our county. And so wow. just 
they're so thankful for them and the ways that they modeled family and they modeled, you know, that loving relationship. My husband and I both went to local colleges here in Northern Indiana. He went to Huntington um, University that is a small Christian college. And I went to IPFW, which is um, kind of a campus of IU and Purdue that was in Fort Wayne. Um, and God has just been so gracious to open doors that we didn't even think possible for these small town kids. Right. So it, just sitting here today, um, I have to pinch myself and say, the only mm. reason I'm here is because of God. Yeah. The only reason I'm here is because of his, his grace to surround me with the right people that pointed me towards a future, um, that was bigger than what I felt I deserved or the world was telling me that I deserved. Mm. So I'm just so thankful. Um, and I love doing that for other leaders. My husband and I feel a responsibility to do that for the next generation, obviously with the generation that we're raising in our home, but with their friends and with our community, um, because we see such the importance of community and how it formed who we are today. So, I mean, fast forward, we've lived in we've lived in Minneapolis for my husband's career. He was in orthopedics for 15 years before he started his own orthopedic company. Um, and when he took that jump to start his own company, I kind of went back into the corporate space. And that's how I got introduced to the Global Leadership Summit. I'd never heard of it before 2016. And um, I asked my boss to fire me because I wasn't doing enough in project management for his company. I said, I'm bored. I shouldn't be taking your paycheck. And he said, hey, I have a different plan for you. Do you want to do this uh, event called the GLS? And I said, sure. I don't know what that is, but I love events. And I watched five years of GLS on DVDs. Um, clearly, that was before streaming. And <laughs> what's I just, a DVD? What's a DVD? I know, what's, what's a, a DVD? It wasn't a VHS, a so I'm not that. Yeah, <laughs> but I just fell in love with, I fell in love with the speakers and the summit and just what it was um, opening my mind to as to what a leader was, right? In my mind before that, a leader was somebody that was a manager, a director, a CEO. It wasn't me. I didn't see myself as a leader. I didn't see myself as um, somebody that could influence things in my community. And then we hosted the GLS and it opened the space in my heart for my community mm. that I didn't even know existed and um, set a fire in my belly. And I have not turned back since then. And I just love being able to serve other leaders that maybe don't self-identify as leaders, um, activating that passion and um, that purpose in their life that maybe they don't feel in their vocation, but is really the calling in their life. And so it's just been a fun journey. I can fill you in on any other questions that you have from here to there, but there's yeah, the, I'm still the in quick bye-bye. I'm still in awe. You told your boss you're bored and you need to fire me because I'm bored. And I'm like, you just told me everything I need to know about you right there. Like, you need to have your. That's amazing. Like, you had awareness. Mm. You were that self aware at that point. I'm I I'm surprised you probably didn't say, here, here's a pay raise. <laughs> That's awesome. No, I, I I think he was a little flabbergasted. He said nobody's ever told me that they need to be fired, and I said I just don't want to get paid if I'm not going to be having purpose. Right. And if I'm not going to be fulfilling. <laughs> so I, I wonder <laughs> if we dig a little bit, can we dig yeah, a little yeah. bit? Yeah, let's dig. So I'll, I'll model something so that maybe it helps you find texture to it. Um, 
my my home situation is funny because I'm I have a similar home situation that you did. Um, my father passed away. I have a great relationship with my mom. I did make amends with my father, but um, he was a very difficult man, and that's an understatement. Um, wanted by the police and whatnot. What I realized is one of the values I have that's similar to yours is. Uh, whether it's called oversharing or just I have this drive that I have to be the same at home, the same on this podcast, cinema, cinema cast, the same to my church staff. And so authenticity is big. Why? Because as long as I could, as far as I could go back, I could remember my dad being a certain person at home and then we'd go to church and it'd be different. And everybody loved my dad. And I saw the hell that he would create at home and the evil that he would do. And I go, I never want to, I have to do the opposite of this. Mm. And, and I think, so one of the things I heard from, uh, you know, therapists or counselors, and I'm not that by the way, is that kids are great recorders. They're not, um, they don't do good order. Like we can't organize it. And so all we do is remember things. And, and typically I'll ask person, so what was some of those first few memories? And that's why I'm asking you, Jerry, a first few experiences maybe that um, you feel safe sharing that shaped some of who you are. Because you just said, pull up your bootstraps, get it done. You're, you're authentic. You're inspirational. That came from somewhere, somehow, some way. Yeah. And I, I like to say I'm not a counselor either, but I've been in enough counseling sessions that I'm counselor <laughs> adjacent. Right. I also say I'm so special. I have two. That's right. I do. And um, I think it's something first. I just want to say the more that we can normalize that and nobody's yeah. family is perfect. Right. right. Everybody has their issues and we all need counseling at some level. Um, and let's normalize that. Number one. Right. Let's have that be an OK thing to do um, and to check in on yourself and your marriage and your family. But I would say, you know, some of those first memories of just not wanting people to know what's going on behind closed doors. Right. Um, and not wanting. um to be fully transparent with people, right? As to yeah. the hell you're going through in your home. Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. sorry, but that's the truth. Yeah, yeah. Um, that really drove me to say, I can't live like that. I can't put on a mask and just go out there and say everything's mm. okay. Um, because I realize there are more people like me than not. And I have an opportunity to use the pain that I've had to um, give glory to God and to show what he's been able to bring me through um, and give hope to other people. And so I can't give hope if I yeah. am not authentic and not sharing what's happening or what I've been through. So I lost my middle brother when I was 11 um, and he was 17 in a car accident. Mm. And that was the first time that things became really public of what was going on. And I could either show up and say, everything is okay. Everything's fine. And put on that mask where I could be myself and let people help me. Yeah. And help is really hard for me. I'm an Enneagram eight. So control is really high on my list. Right. <laughs> and so when I ask for help, it's really letting go of that control. But again, that's that community piece that I had so many people that wrapped their arms around our family that wrapped their arms around me that worked through the grief process and the ongoing grief process. Right. Yeah. Um, that you have to show up and be you. 
and nobody can help those hidden things if you continue to hide them and put on the mask. And so, you know, just being a leader and being a mom, I apologize to my kids probably more than I do anything else. I don't get it right. Mm -hmm. And I want them to know that their mommy is not, um, she's not perfect. And don't put me on a pedestal because um, that's unhealthy, right? That's the other end of the spectrum. I don't want them to see me mess up one day and be like, oh, mom's not perfect. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, They know that from many different areas. I apologize this morning, you know, getting your shoes on and getting out the door to go to to school is is hard. (laughs) Even when we've been doing it for years, right? And there's especially with four girls, especially, right? So that's, that's one of those areas where, you know, losing my brother and having that be very public and then having to really tell the truth of what was going on. And I moved out of my house when I was 15. And I think that that's another area where I just, you know, I had to be true to what was going on and give the information to advocate for what I needed, um, and grow up a little early. And, you know, I just, that's not going to be the situation for my kids, I hope and pray, but I really, I really want them to show up and be themselves and be okay with being themselves and not be, you know, in their late teens or their early twenties and grappling with what version am I? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's so good. I, I, boy, I have so many questions, but I'm going to start with the one that came I may have to backtrack, but I'm listening to you talk and I'm going, wow, she could be really busy, really busy, you know, but busy isn't always better. So my question for you is this, how do you balance, I'm going to use the word balance, the mindset that I'm trying to, cause I'm, I'm, I'm asking your advice actually with my, with my girls, you, some people say <laughs> you can have it all, but I don't know if you can have it all right now, everything all at the same time. In essence, I mean, can you, can you do all these other things and be there for every soccer game, every you know, this illusion of balance and some things. I'm just being honest. It is a tornado in the Kibbe house from six to seven. My wife just talked about this Sunday from the pulpit from six to seven. It's a tornado. Everybody's moving fast and furious. I don't have time from six to seven to have a world changing quiet time with God Uh-oh. from six to seven, but mm. I can, I can have other aspects to that later in the day. We have to make choices. That's really what I'm asking you. How do you navigate the illusion, the American dream of having it all versus having what he wants for you with your kids, your family, and your career. Yeah, especially being authentic. And being authentic. Jerry yeah. looks like she's perfectly put together, and how is she managing I love this? her honesty, though. Yeah. Yeah, I, I will just tell you, my life fell apart about four years ago because I was trying to have it all, right? Oh, I was wow. trying to do all the things, be there for everyone, um, love GLS, love my community, and saying yes to too many things. And that's when I enlisted my second therapist. I enlisted my business therapist and he really is my business therapist and my business coach. And I said, I can't do this anymore. Um, my oldest daughter's health was, it was bad. We were in the hospital for about six months straight. Mm. She ended up having a feeding tube and a lot of her things were autoimmune and family things, but a lot of it was triggered by stress and this Mm -hmm. perfection mentality that I need to be all things to all people. And I said, Ooh, I'm modeling that. Yeah. And I do not want to create more of those. (laughs) So it became looking at my life and saying, okay, what are the top areas that I need to be investing in? Well, I really need to have a strong faith, right? That's what we're called to do. We're called to love him and then we're called to love people. Well, what what am I going to 
put my love in first. I'm going to put it in my family because that's what God has entrusted to me in my four walls. Right. And then I'm going to, I'm going to put it into my, you know, in my family, I mean, my, my husband and my kids and our extended family, and then I'm going to put it into my work and my community. And so it was really coming up with a filter and a life mission that I feel like God has called me with my gifts and talents and then beginning to evaluate and eliminate. And so I've evaluated and eliminated and I took myself off of eight boards. I took myself off of committees and I said, this is not healthy for my family. This is not healthy for me. And it's not effective for you. You need to have somebody in this space that's fully committed. And so I do that on a quarterly basis. And I have my business coach that holds me accountable and we check in once a month and we do a book study and we talk about life and he says, okay, what have you committed to? What's coming off your list? It's not a balance doesn't exist. I think it's one of those myths that Mm -hmm. you have to have a really, really, really good mindset that if I add something, something else needs to be subtracted. Um, It's not, I'm going to keep adding until I get to that point that I crash. So that's what I try to do. And, you know, my kids come first. And so, I don't negotiate pick up and drop offs with my kids. That's valuable time. And so I do as many of those as I can for school. I try to be engaged in their classroom, but where I can say no, I say no, and I'm not gonna be at everything, but my kids know that if I'm not at something with them, they have had a conversation about it. They know that it fits into my mission and values, right? That there's a bigger picture, but I never want my kids to look back and say, mommy Mm. cared so much about our community, but she didn't care about me. I want them to know that they're loved, they're valued, and um, they deserve all the time that I can give them, right? (laughs) This is so good because this is something every career professional who has kids, I mean, we all can relate to that too. I I actually um, heard a tip once from somebody that helped me when I miss a thing, whatever the thing is with my kid, um, instead of saying, gosh, I'm sorry, you know, that just life's hard, suck it up. I actually learned to take that in a redemptive way and say, you know what, you know, my heart's there for you. And I've been at those soccer games and whatever. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to, we're going to believe in faith for another outcome for something else that will be twice as fun. So in essence, it's like, Oh, I missed that, but we're going to go over here and do this. And I know that there's some events that you you just they're non-negotiable. There are certain things that by by job, I'm out, I'm going to be there. But I think it's that learning how to to work through that, through disappointment and not disappointing our kids and having that dialogue. I I'm I'm guessing you've been doing that for a while. Um uh, in, in essence working that those type of things with your kids. I have. Yeah, and so I love that redemptive aspect too. That's a, that's a great way to put it, but you know, I'm just, I'm a little type a, right? So we have the family calendar. Everybody's color coded, you know, everybody knows where we're going. You talk about chaos and a tornado. You just made me nervous with color code. (laughs) No, I know I'm a, I'm a little crazy. Um, but you know, I have those conversations and just let them know I can't be there, but it also is an opportunity to not feel like you have to do all of the things. And I, w- I want my kids to know that I love them, that they're amazing, that they're gifts from God, but my world doesn't just revolve around my kids. And yeah. I think that's setting up a mentality for a generation that like nobody, nobody's going to be your biggest cheerleader, but mom and dad, but 
the world doesn't just revolve around you, that there are other things that God has called us to do and you're a part of that. But um, God has also given us these gifts and talents, whether it's through our career or through the way that we serve our community. And we have to be true to that too and show up in the way that God is asking us to do it in our unique way and in our unique space because we want them to do that too, right? Yeah. And so it gives them permission when, when their parents, hopefully, that they have a generation that doesn't think the world revolves around them either, right? And, and I know that that's a controversial way to look at it. I love my kids, don't get me wrong, but um, I don't want them to think that the whole world needs to rearrange their life just so they're happy. That's just yeah. a false that's illusion. Good. Yeah, that's, you're speaking. That's so I want to, well, I'll just make one statement about this whole thing about how we grow up. One of the, the, I guess, sad discoveries we have to find is we usually try to uh, swing the pendulum away from the negative experiences that we had. And so the irony of the good intent of what Jerry's sharing is, gosh, I had to be independent. Um, I want to be authentic. I'm going to organize my life. I'm going to, you know, create order out of chaos. I mean, mm -hmm. all those things are actually good, mm -hmm. but you're hearing how that had an effect mm -hmm. um, on your family. So it's, it's great that you're doing your work, which is awesome. But mm -hmm. I, I want to just say, I think from a male perspective, and I don't think men give enough credit um, I want to get off the mom thing. Yeah. And I think that's critical, obviously. But I think a lot of men get kind of this elevation of being great, you know, leaders and leaders. And I think moms balance, moms that are in leadership like Jerry is, mm -hmm. like you are, Jerry, have, I think, a unique role that I don't think a lot of men do because I don't think men carry that same responsibility. Now, some do, and I'm not generalizing even for men. I think I want to move into a little bit of your accomplishments outside your home and talk more about, so how do you live this stuff out with people that do have a faith, don't have a faith, do have some of the same values, don't have some of the same values? What are some of the disciplines you've had to do? So, you know, you're saying color code for the kids. I want to hear the running an organization now as a leader, because yeah. I see you as a mentor peer and I want to, I want to learn, we want to learn from you that way. Well, I color code for my organization too. So if you really want to be honest, <laughs> uh, I can't get away from that sickness. Um, I really just think it's important when you're authentic and transparent that there's consistency in the way that you show up. I love what you said, Troy. I want people to know that when I show up, whether you're a believer or a non-believer, you're a nonprofit, you're in the church, you're in for-profit, that you're going to get the same Jerry every time, right? Um, and I think that that's so important for your community to know that it's, it is authentic and it is true that you're getting the same person that shows up all the time. But, and it's so important for your employees as well, that they're not living on eggshells saying, Ooh, I can't have this hard conversation because I don't know the Jerry that's going to show up in the meeting. No, mm -hmm. Jerry's going to be, um, fair. Hopefully they say that. Um, but she, she's going to come at it with energy and we're going to come up with a solution and we're not going to, you know, place blame. We're going to just say, what can we do to move forward? Um, so I think that that's really important. But I also think, you know, it's just I don't see it as accomplishments. Again, this it's hard for me to grapple that and put my mind around it because I'm still living in that space where 
I'm just doing what God told me to do. And I'm just saying, okay, let's think bigger. And I've said this a few times, and maybe I said this to you, Troy, before this podcast, but man, if if there's a dream that I feel like, oh yeah, I can do that. I can check the box. I can get that done in six months. That's not big enough. I want to dream so big that it scares me and it scares all of the people around me because (laughs) then it's God's dream, right? That's right. right. And so I want to, I just am authentic about that and transparent that, yeah, this scares me and I don't know how we're going to do it, but I know that our God is amazing and he is a big God and I don't want to put him in a box. And so if this big, crazy idea came to me or came to you or came through our team, then let's pursue it and let's see what we can do. And God might change the course along the way right. but let's let's go towards that big crazy dream that nobody yeah. thinks is possible <laughs> so you're you she fills a room like your your presence and you know you have leaders that kind of um show up in a room and they're not real big you're big in a room and because of that obviously an eight obviously gets a lot of stereotypes about being strong and powerful Especially an eight female. <laughs> right. And so I guess a couple of questions I have is um, how do you then manage, how have you worked through or offset or created a culture that you're not dominating? Because you're, you're, I'm not saying you're dominating. I'm just saying your presence, your passion, your inspiration can make people who aren't as confident shrink. Are there some things that you could tell our listeners and watchers like, here's how I've had to help. I guess, walk with people as I am powerful and excited and have big vision. Yeah. Um, I call my twenties a wake of bodies in the rear view mirror, right? So I think self-awareness and understanding your own personality and your own strengths is so, so important. So I get that things that are natural to me or my strengths that come easily are not other people's strengths, but being self-aware has really helped with that. Really Mm -hmm. having those conversations with uh, my two counselors and saying, Hey, no, that's probably not the best way to approach it, especially with a business counselor. Right. Um, and a lot more listening than talking. So, Hey Mm -hmm. team, this is what I think, um, the direction we should go. Can you give me your feedback? Because you need all of those different personality types to move forward. Um, Whether it's community development, whether it's at your church or your organization, you hired them for a reason. They're on your team for a reason. So let's trust them and empower them because the last thing people want is a micromanager or feeling like they can't ever make a mistake. We know that our mistakes sometimes are what lead us to our biggest breakthroughs. And so I want to create that culture where it's okay to come and have a really big idea. And if as long as we didn't go bankrupt and, you know, <laughs> yeah, we didn't sin and we didn't um, uh, mess up somebody's, you know, self image, then let's, let's yeah. go for the big things. That's good. And let's learn. <laughs> yeah. I just told our team, I said, we did uh we've been doing success autopsies. I said, what we should do too is do a failure board and have a celebration. Yeah. And they looked at me and I go, yeah, seriously, what if we have like a celebration over all the failures? Because then at least we're creating a culture to go, we tried something, it didn't work, we want to learn from it. Yeah. Um, man, that you want that culture to change, especially with strong leaders. And I know I'm high, like I am big in a room, I'm always thinking strategy. I find like that, they call it the halo effect. If you could, if you talk too much, I love what you said, Jerry, 
all of a sudden then people go, oh, he's already got this figured out. Actually, that's really good. I'm not going to say anything now. Mm-hmm. And people back away. And so I've had to, through counseling, which I've, I've had my handful, yeah, you shouldn't say it that way or you should stop. I have to stop the strategy wheel and go, I have to bring, invite people into the process with me um, in my brain. Because if, if you leave me too much time alone, I'll think way too fast about things. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us, Jerry, how the challenge of being a female in a leadership culture has affected you, impacted you, been positive, been negative? That was my next question because I have three daughters, one who I see a call to do and lead in ministries probably, and I have a lot of questions for you. So he just, he just asked you the question that has been burning in me for the last five minutes. Well, I can say I didn't see myself in a ministry space, right? I have a political science degree. I thought I was going to go in and be, you know, a chief of staff. Um, and that God clearly shut that door for a reason, but use those gifts and talents, right, to um, channel it in a du- different direction and for his kingdom in a different area. So I would say, you know, I'm still learning that one. Um, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to sugarcoat it it's been hard. There have been a lot of women that come that came before me that have really helped pave the way. But I think it's a shift in mindset. Um, To your point, I believe my family is the number one calling, whether you're male or female, that's your number one calling um, to raise leaders to change the world. Um, But the mental load that moms carry that that dads don't always carry is a lot, right? So I'm thinking about pickup and gymnastics and all of those things while I'm thinking about an organization to run and community impact. Um, And I would just say, give a lot of grace, right? So tell your daughters that it's not gonna be perfect, but I can tell you that if they didn't work outside the home, it wouldn't be perfect either. I've done that. And that was a lot of mental stress where I just didn't feel like I was living up to God's purpose and calling. I love my kids again, but um, felt this calling to do more. Um, And it was a really hard time for me and my marriage. It was a really hard time for me personally. And once I went back into that corporate space and started my own business, I felt like I had an outlet and a tool to Mm. do um, and use the other side that wasn't the mom side, right? But those gifts and talents are so important. And I just... I would say grace on both sides. So grace that you can have that conversation in a loving way and with the right intention than when you, that when you have a leader that maybe is pushing back and you feel like it's because of gender or it's because of your age um, or your experience that you can say, help me understand where you're coming from, right? Having that awareness um, and the right timing to do that is really, really important. It's not in the middle of a board meeting. It's not, in the middle of a stand-up meeting. It is scheduling a meeting, um, maybe over a coffee or a breakfast and saying, hey, help me understand because this is what it feels like to me. Um, And using those I feel statements instead of, hey, this is what it is, (laughs) I think is so important. And giving the words to it. I don't think we teach our kids you know, words for those feelings or words for those situations. Awkward conversations and hard conversations are a gift. Yeah. And I love them. <laughs> you and I must have seen the same life coach because help me understand has become my number one tool when I don't under. So uh, help me understand. Yeah, that's awesome. Exactly. Well, they say, they say too, we feel before we think. And Chip Dodd's work on just the eight emotions and learning how to do a check-in is is really a great beginning to awareness but also 
you know, what I've heard from, you know, obviously our past affects us. And so giving words to what we feel, Mm -hmm. whether it's way back in our past or currently is so important, which gets me then to, to, uh, adverse situations, which you just said, those are gift. I love that. There's always a gold. There's some gold in every problem, adverse situation we're in. You got to look for it. Mm-hmm. So COVID just obviously shut down so much. Uh, tell us some gold that you found in this season, obviously as a key leader in your community. It was it was a hard season. And I think we are all feeling that. And we all felt the grief of losing, you know, connection, especially being an extrovert. But I think it gave me permission to be introspective Mm. and to slow down and see where effective busy really is. Right. And to see um, our community in a new light and really have some of those things that we'd had pushed under the rug and said, oh, we'll get to it later. Oh, we'll get to it later. It was like the rug was stomped on and you couldn't get to it later. You had to get to it now. So it really highlighted what we needed to do now versus what we were just doing to keep us busy. So I, I, I love you know, the gold nuggets that come out of, of those um, difficult situations or those problems. I, you know, I love how Craig Rochelle says it, it's not problems, it's an opportunity. So as leaders, we're chief opportunity officers um, that we should be looking for ways um, to not just solve problems, but see them as opportunities of growth. So, um, you know, COVID, COVID was hard, but those opportunities came up, whether it was with feeding kids and really highlighting the need for um, having quality nutrition in our family, in our families, um, in our communities, or um, just really having mental health for leaders and having them check in with their employees. That's, that's a big one. And that became normalized over this last year of Mm -hmm. of having them say, how are you doing? Mm -hmm. No, not how are you doing on a project, but how are you doing as a person? How's Mm -hmm. your family doing? So it's getting back to that relationship component because we know that if we don't have relationship, it just becomes transactional. Um, and relationship is what drives transformation. It's what drives, um, the success of your organization. And, you know, I love the failure board. I I think I might take that and (laughs) (laughs) implement it. Okay. What have we failed in and let's celebrate it. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, do you want to hear about faith? Cause she keeps talking about her faith that we have. Yeah. 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 And I do. I, can, can I ask one other before we do no, that? No, you're or not allowed. Is that, no. is that okay? Absolutely. So I, I'm forgive me because I keep thinking about my daughters. I, I know you're the interview subject here, but... You keep pulling this into a you're, parenting you're, I'm seminar. making this all about helping me. So I'm so sorry. I feel so selfish, sort of. But how, how have you navigated... Because I've had these talks with... I've got a 17-year-old. And I'm telling you, I just... I see a lot of... I just see some really cool things that you're sharing. Can you help me understand just as a woman, as a female, he, he talked about being a, a presence. Um, how is that with interactions with men? And can I just be completely transparent? The, the yeah. whole, the whole thing that we're dealing with, with, with the sexual culture out there of what women go through. I, I, can I just throw that out there? People deal with that. And I hear, I, I hear ladies deal with that. Now I'm not saying you deal with that currently, but how do, how have you navigated dealing with that 
Are you asking how she's teaching her daughters about that? Both. I want to know, how did she navigate it? How are you teaching your daughters how to deal with the realities of men or other people who are harassing? Mm -hmm. I'm I'm asking the elephant in the room. I don't don't know how else to ask that. How did you deal with it? How do you, how do you, as a leader, how did you coach your kids? Yeah, I think, you know, my kids are growing up in a completely different generation than I did and where maybe comments were just brushed off in the past. Um, I'm no longer standing in that camp of, Hey, no, you're just from a certain generation. That's the way you're going to approach it. Um, I am, I'm saying, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm more than what my exterior is. So why don't you talk to me about, um, accomplishments? Why don't you talk to me about what we've been able to do as an organization? Um, and it's just having those respectful conversations, right? And sometimes it's not respectful because if it is a blatant, um, comment that is yeah. just not needed, that I'm going to address it. And so God gave me a voice for a reason. Um, and I am the model for four young ladies. And so I don't want them to see their mom um, taking that and thinking it's okay so that somebody can say the same thing to them or treat them the same way. Mm. So with our girls, I always say, you know, we need to be respectful. We need to be kind. There's a difference between kind and nice, right? Um, yeah. You can say it in a nice way, but kindness is pointing out that they may not speak to you in that manner, that they may not treat you in that manner, right? Um, and understanding that, you know, my husband models it. He he says to to some, um, sometimes to my girls, you can't treat my wife like that, right? Come on. You can't say that to my wife. Love it. Um, and so I think as dads, there's this huge responsibility to model it. Yeah. The way that you want your girls to be treated, you need to model it in treating your wife that way, Absolutely. right? You need so to good. model it in the way that you treat other females. And um, I think as an eight female, I... I don't deal with that um, fear of men, maybe of of that. Right. That I I've been really been conscious about that, especially with our almost thirteen year old of saying, "Hey, this situation may not be a safe situation." Um, we were just on vacation. I'll use this as an example, and we went in to a gas station late at night when we were driving, and um, I. I was like, I'm going to stand right here. And my daughter's like, mom, I'm fine. I'm almost 13. And I was like, no, this is a teachable moment. You are in here by yourself. And I know you're confident and you're a future eight, right? But this is not a safe situation. And here's why this is not a safe situation. And so having those age appropriate conversations. And I think it just starts with us changing and reframing the way that we speak to young women, right? Don't say, I love your outfit. You look so cute. How about you ask them, oh, what's your favorite subject in school? Um, What have you been, you know, let's get to the heart of it. I'm going to make my daughter watch this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) This is so good. And thank you. I just, I had to ask that question because I'm really trying. I'm not a, I'm not a female. I I don't face what I'm sure I don't apologize for that, but I'm not, but I'm a dad with young daughters and I mean, I hear it. I'm coaching them through some of that stuff in the middle school and, you know, in high school stuff. But when it comes to the professional world, I don't want the sins of our forefathers to be, and I want to, I want my kids empowered. So thank you. I'm I'm done, Troy. But I mean, I think I hear I'm going to go one step further. So you, you lead churches, 
how about training from the from the pulpit? Hey, let's have a conversation about who God created them to be and their gifts and talents. And so when they walk into our Sunday school classrooms, it's, hey, Susie, you know, what do you feel like God has called you to do? How has God uniquely gifted you, right? Instead of, oh, you look so cute today, whether it's a boy or a girl, right? That outfit is so cute. Let's really get to the essence of who God created us to be as human beings, regardless of our gender, right? And so I think it's sometimes those conversations that we can model as influencers, and we don't realize how much influence we have, that if we even just have that awkward or difficult conversation of saying, let's retrain our brain to have those interactions with our youth or with our peers in a different way, it's so meaningful. Um, so there you go. I got to be the Thank uh, you. interviewer. <laughs> you were helpful. <laughs> Ryan's sending you a check for uh, yeah, parent well, counseling. Yeah, for sure. thanks for the counseling session. I appreciate it. <laughs> I used to tell my girls, I used to make up stories before they go to bed, but I'd say, I want you to know you're beautiful on the outside, but where are you really beautiful? And they and they would repeat it back on the inside. Mm. So to teach them, you know, that there's that God creation. Mm. So I, I think that's what I want to hear. Um, mm. It's evident that you intersect your faith in everything you've just told us. Yeah. So how did, uh, I always, people always say how they found God, but really I think God found you. So how'd that happen? Yeah. Um, well, I grew up, my mom uh, went to a very evangelical Pentecostal church. And so that for me growing up was kind of the brimstone and fire relationship with God. And it really didn't feel like mine. My mom would say that my conversion was at four or five, and that's not where God found me. God found me after I lost my second brother um, at the age of 11 at a youth event and I just realized, oh, I can't, I don't have a relationship with Christ. It is not my own. Mm. And that was my pivotal moment. Um, and, you know, I've been working towards the best relationship that I can have um, and growing in my faith ever since. But that's where my faith journey began is losing my brother and really coming to, mm. to grips with my relationship was not right with God. Wow. Um, and people have poured into me over a number of years. YFC Youth for Christ is a big component of my faith journey and the adults that poured into me in the early years. Um, but I think our faith goes through seasons and, and this is where this is your profession and, and your area of expertise. But this is this is what's been true for me. Um, being that baby Christian as a preteen and as a teen was way different than it was in my 20s as a newlywed. And it is now in my 30s and late 30s as, um, you know, a professional and a leader and a mom. And it's been so great to see God meet me in each one of those chapters mm. of my faith um, with the people that he needed to be intersected yeah. in my life. So I, I just, I, I can't not talk about my faith. When people tell me I need to go have a business conver conversation or do a business presentation, I'm always like, well, I'm going to share my faith. And they say no or yes. And I just don't listen. And I'm like, that's a part of my journey. If you want to know who I am, then yeah. you have to know who I am. That's so good. Well, I, I would love to have you just, is there anything you'd want to say to just leaders? And I don't want to gender specific because you're a leader. Yeah. 
Um, what would you just want leaders to know what's important for them to remember? I think what's important for them to remember is that, you know, God created you for a specific time and place in history, and he placed you there. So whether you feel um, the weight of your leadership or the worthiness of your, your leadership, um, he's called you for a unique gift and just lean into that and have confidence in that. I, I don't like the term self-confidence. Um, I like the term God confidence because mm. I think that that gives us a, a bigger picture yeah, of yeah. what we're capable of doing. So lean into the God confidence of, the, of who he's called you to be um, and just be true to yourself, be authentic. Um, and I can't, I can't wait to hear what leaders um, are able to accomplish and Wisconsin, you know, Lead Wisco is an amazing opportunity to share um, so many journeys of leaders. And I can't wait to hear some transformational stories from you guys. It's exciting what's going on in Wisconsin. It is. It is. Well, as a dad, a pastor, leader, and a fellow authentic, transparent person who sometimes says too much, too fast, too quick, like Troy, we're, we're brothers that I would rather be that way than a stuffer who's a fraud and lives with a life with a mask on. So I love this. Thank you for being here. Yeah. I feel pumped and inspired. Yeah. Um, My daughters will listen to this. Podcast. And I know that's I, when I, again, I told you when I said, I saw Jerry up kind of speaking about what she was doing. I'm like, I need a Jerry. And I think God sent us uh, Catherine, who's behind the producing deal. Right? I saw Catherine's nodding the so whole time. I'm asking. She's probably going to cry when we start talking about yeah. this. But no, I do. I feel that, mm -hmm. and I I just want to finish with this story. Um, we had a gal come in yesterday and share a little bit about. Um, she didn't know if her efforts for uh, that she's done with us with the GLS have actually been fruitful. Oh wow. And I'm looking over at Kat, and she's starting to cry. And I I saw, now, now Catherine's Catherine, so she's not Jerry, but I saw a little Jerry in her because all of a sudden she goes, excuse me. She said, I'm here because I'm the fruit of what you did. I like saw her step in, and I was like, wow, yes. Come on. So good. So part of that is... Um, Man, I love, and I, and I know she's really inspired by you. I know my wife is too, Jerry, so thank you. You, you are an inspiration, and uh, I think we're, we're seeing that spread out through more than just Warsaw, Indiana, so thank you. Thanks for joining. Well, I'm inspired by you, and Catherine's amazing. And so let's think about ways we can raise up more Troys and Catherines and Ryans. That's I think that's the way to look at it, right? Yep, there you go. Well, Jerry, thank you so much. Um, we'll leave some uh, the information at the end of the podcast if people want to get in touch with what you're doing and all the things that are happening there in Warsaw. But thank you again so much for your time. Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for listening today. We hope you were inspired by Jerry and her story. Maybe you connected with her parenting advice, or you could relate to her experience as a woman in leadership. If this episode was helpful to you, we'd be so grateful if you subscribed or followed us, left us a review, or shared our podcast with someone you think may benefit from it. If you're looking for more leadership content, check out our social media. We post snippets of these episodes, 
leadership development resources, and more. If there's someone you think would be a great guest for us to talk to, message us on social media or send us an email at leadwisco at gbcc.me. Thanks for listening.